This is Recognize, a podcast about the NHL's black and biracial hockey heroes, proudly supported by eBay Canada. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. Joaquin Gage was born in Vancouver in 1973. He played 23 games in the NHL as a goalie for the Edmonton Oilers, as well as a long career in the ECHL, AHL, and in Europe. Joaquin is of Haitian descent. We had a great interview discussing some of his early experiences in hockey and how he overcame some um, instance of racism, but still persevered. He played junior hockey with the Portland Winterhawks of the Western Hockey League. And then he uh, ended up being drafted in the fifth round, 1992 entry draft by the Edmonton Oilers. So it was a great pleasure to interview Joaquin and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, Joaquin, great to have you on the podcast. It's nice to meet you. Thanks, Dean. This is great. And I've got on my phone here, if you can see, this is your uh, rookie card, I believe, uh, with Edmonton Oilers. So what comes to mind when you see this card? Um, black skates. I, I don't know why I chose the, the, the cowlings on the black skates, but because uh, they, they always tend to make it look like you can't skate as well, opposed to white ones. But maybe I wanted to try to fool the shooters as much as possible. But uh, no, that was, um, I mean, gosh, that was a, that was a fun year. Um, I, my first year pro coming in was uh, the first lockout season, which I spent the, the, that time in the minors. And then the following season um, started the year with, with the Edmonton Oilers. So, um, you know, hitting all those, those, bucket list well i guess not bucket list well bucket list as a young kid of uh of getting to the nhl and making it and playing in some games it was uh it, it was awesome so do you remember where that photo was taken um no i had no idea i mean yeah i i know that it was my rookie card because it's a kick save and no other goalie does that <laughs> anymore <laughs> when you look at the the technique yeah. so uh very old school goaltending i i hate that uh i hate that it uh, it actually does that but um and then there's a stand up in the left hand corner yeah yeah just standing there i mean um yeah. actually it's funny because not not <laughs> anymore but um my uh, a former oiler actually and uh and coach of the university of alberta golden bears um oh wonderful he uh, he's a he's a former teammate of mine, and sometimes when his goalies had labs or something or or couldn't make it or a test couldn't make it to practice, he would he would have me out, and uh, he loved it uh, because all of his players go. He's he just stands there. He doesn't move. I he's he's supposed to go down. So he loved that I I gave his shooters some a different view than than the goalies now and how they play and and even. It was frustrating in the dressing room being referred to as an old school goaltender because, but um, lots of fun with the young guys and and getting out there and and having to sit in the ice bath for probably three days afterwards. <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks for sharing that. So this uh, collection I have, I only have collected the rookie cards of everyone in my collection. So are you aware of other cards? Have you seen other cards or do you own other cards of yourself from, from back in the day? Sometimes I, I do. It's funny. I, uh, I actually just, <laughs> funny that you say that. I just signed a couple for a uh, Tom Roback in Skokie, Illinois. Okay. Sometimes people find me yeah. and, and email me cards. So there's, there's a few of the newer ones. Um, obviously there's some, uh, when I, I played junior in Portland, Oregon, uh, there's a, there's that okay. old card on, on there and me with a unbelievable picture with a, with an 18 year old mustache, which, which oh. is just, a it's, it's nothing like I have today. <laughs> yeah. So tell the listeners about that because we've heard that a few times about people signing cards. So over your course of post career now, how, how often do you receive a card in the mail with someone requesting that you sign it? Oh, I, if you averaged it out, um, I would probably say once a month, I guess you'd yeah. say. So uh, through, it's funny because sometimes they, uh, they go to my place of employment. Uh, so that's, that's kind of funny when they see Joaquin, you got a, a mail from the Czech Republic. And uh, I'm like, yeah, well, I was big over there in the in the late '90s, I say, and they're right. like, what? <laughs> but no, it's uh, it, it's funny. There's hockey card collectors are are a special breed of people, and uh, just to put through the 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 effort, I really it it. I'm honored to be able to do things like that for people, and it's to for for someone halfway across the globe to to put forth the effort of getting the cards, um, writing a, 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 a letter, a hand, most of the time it's a handwritten letter in English, broken English. Um, <laughs> you you kind of have, you feel obligated to, to sign it and get your butt to the post office to mail it out. So um, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. It must be quite a feeling, as you said, to be, be honored that way. And, uh, I assume most professionals like yourself do follow through. And if there's a self-addressed return stamp, stamped envelope, then why not? Right. But Well, I, I mean, like I said, it's only once a month. I can't imagine for guys yeah. like Grant Fuhrer, that's yeah. probably got like Santa bags full of mail with, yeah. with all sorts of different things to, to sign. I, that's I, true. I think I heard like people would say, cause Grant's a huge golfer. Right. So he uh, he would receive like drivers and golf balls and and golf shoes to to sign and send back and things like yeah. that. So um, yeah, if it, the I'm right where I should be. I think one card a month's pretty good. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we we grew up around the same time period in the uh, you know seventies um, eighties. So were you a card collector? Of course, I would take my cards to school and we'd play like uh, flips or or knockdown and and just trade them that way. We didn't have binders encased in plastic and under lock and key. They, they weren't, uh, yeah. we didn't think it's too bad. If we would have known how much those things yeah. would have been back then, yeah, we probably would have locked them up. And I mean, how many times do you hear of the guy that had the shoebox full of like Gretzky rookie cards and mom threw them out because she went to clean yeah. up his room one threw day them or, out. or the to make your the uh, the factory Kuahara sound better and put it in the spokes so it's spokes. <laughs> you know like so yeah. uh, at a very different time for uh, 
with cards. I think, uh, and I mean, I collected them up for to a bit. I wasn't a huge card collector, but when when I was drafted in '92, um, that's when Upper Deck were really coming into the fold with with all the hockey cards. And it was, I remember um, they were actually giving away boxes of cards at the draft. And uh, it was, I was with a, a teammate of mine that played in um, Portland with me. His name is Kale Hulse. He went, I believe, in the third round to New Jersey. And we were yeah. celebrating. We got drafted in the old Montreal form. And I remember going back to the hotel after, I mean, just on cloud nine that you just got picked by an NHL team. And we were sitting there in the hotel going through our box of cards to see who we, who we got. Right. And uh, yeah, that's a, that was funny to be, to, to reach kind of the pinnacle of that time of, of your hockey career, which it is to get drafted and, and then just going through and looking at these cards and thinking, gosh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I can be on one of these one day. Yeah, and you're right. It was a different era because nowadays you said they're giving out boxes. Um, many collectors now wouldn't even open up those boxes, right? Yeah. You just preserve those boxes. You've got a 1992 unopened set. It's crazy. What that would be worth. Yeah. So I'm I'm aware that your pro career lasted in the years in NHL. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had the season, some games in 94, 95, 2000, which amounted to you know, 25, 26 NHL games in total. But then your your career spanned between AHL uh, Europe, which you'll tell us later, um, all the way to 2007. So that's that's a long professional career. <laughs> I was delaying the inevitable for a long time, Dean, and I wanted to extend it. I, <laughs> um, it's funny. I uh, I took part in a in a in a charity roast um, and. I wish I, well, it was a lot of fun, but I, I was the one being roasted here in Edmonton for a, for a charity I work with uh, called Kidsport. They provide um, uh, equipment for kids who can't afford it. But uh, uh, Craig McTavish was, who was my coach the second time around in, in Edmonton. Um, one of the funny jokes he said about me is he could really tell how much Joaquin loved playing hockey because it, if you look at his hockey DB page, there's not a league he didn't play in. Almost, right. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's true. I mean, I, um, in, at, so, sometimes I have to look at my whole career and, and see the accomplishments because as, you know, as a, as a young guy, you think, um, Oh, it's going to be just Stanley cups. And in my case, Vesna trophies, right? So that's what I thought was going to happen. It doesn't always work out that way. Um, and there's times I know when I, uh, when I quit playing, I was looking at my, my career as, as a failure, you know, I didn't accomplish those things that I, I had set out to, but then as you get older, um, you kind of look at the, the span of your work and what you were able to do. I mean, there was only a handful of times when <laughs> usually in the NHL, but, um, that I wasn't a key fixture on my team as, as a goalie. Right. And there's only two spots on a team for, for goalies. And, and, uh, I had a, I had for a professional hockey player, I had a, a really good career. I played in some amazing places. You know, you've heard guys say I've met some amazing people, friends for life. And, uh, as you get older, you you realize what you, uh, like I said, what you were able to accomplish. It's, uh, and what I was able to see is pretty amazing. Yeah. 
And just for our understanding, I think when we're talking about goalie games in any league, the games on record are the games you've played. So you could be, you know, backup, Grant Fuhrer, whatever, and he's played 70 games. You're still with the team. So um, I'm, I'm sure that's the experience obviously common for goalies, that they're still, you may not be starting, but you're still part of the team. Your practices, your backing up, all that. So yeah, that's I think, just quite different for goalies. I Yeah, I can't remember the total because it's not the only – people that kind of track it is for, for pension purposes, I think. But okay. I think I was, I think I was in like an NHL game, like on a roster, like a little over a hundred times, like 112 yeah. times. Right? So yeah. something yeah. like that, yeah. that I was, that I yeah. was with. But then that, that adds to the whole rounded up experience as opposed to looking and saying, you know, the, the fraction of that. So that, that's quite significant. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, 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 and we all know that not only is it the uh, games, but practices for a goalie, you've got a lot of rubber coming out of you. So. Especially the guy that doesn't play that much. <laughs> that's, yeah. right. that's right. Yeah, you're, you're you're more you're more expendable. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're out there early and uh, out uh, and late as well to to help guys get yeah. to where they want. I usually the early part was the hard part because that's when more the structure was after practice was the uh, there was sometimes a little bit of skating involved with the with the assistant coaches but that was a lot of times when that was that was our time kind of the fun time just messing around okay. doing like uh breakaways and and that uh machismo getting in guys faces and and yeah. telling them how bad they are and maybe they should change their stick and uh Joaquin maybe you should get back on the bike well you know all those different yeah. things that you'd, you'd have with your teammates and competition which which was a lot of fun that and that's that's one of the things like you know you that you hear about guys what they miss most is that that competition that internal competition with with your friends and and having fun afterward you, those are those are some great memories yeah. So uh, if we just take a step back, you're born in Vancouver, British Columbia, and uh, you're of Haitian descent, I, I believe. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in your household, growing up in uh, Vancouver, if that's where you, you stayed after you were born. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Vancouver was unbelievable city. Um, and how I really got started in hockey is, is, a, is kind of a funny thing. I mean, as a kid, you just, you want to, be around your friends, play with your friends all the time. And I was, I played so soccer with, uh, with, uh, at, in my age group. And then after the games on a Saturday, all the kids on my team left right away. And I was always like, where are they going? Like, why do they have to leave so quickly? There's, there's a park over there. We can go play in the park. <laughs> and, uh, they were going to play hockey. So, and I found this out and, um, I went home, I told my parents, they go, I want to go play hockey with my friends. And so my, I remember my dad took me to like a secondhand sporting store and we got some gear and, and, uh, I'm a player at this point. Um, and I, I distinctly remember cause it was a Saturday night and I went back home, sat in front of the TV and I watched, it was probably, I'm pretty sure it was a, it was a Leafs game on, on hockey night in Canada that I was watching and. And, uh, yeah, it was just that, that I was the Tim Hortons commercial with the, with the guy sitting in front of the TV was dreaming about, that's what I wanted to do. That's when I first realized that. And, um, fast forward a year, I actually was fortunate enough our coach, I, I played for Caresdale in, uh, in Vancouver, which, um, 
<laughs> which is funny because I grew up in kits. My my parents didn't have a lot of money, um, so a lot of the uh, a lot of the gear was donated. Um, a lot of times, I remember getting on the bus, a bus like just a, a public bus with my mom to get <laughs> me to practice. Um, but uh, the uh, my my coach was the head of kinesiology at UBC, and we didn't have a goalie, so. He brought the whole team out and did a bunch of tests when we actually did muscle biopsy tests on, on all the kids. We were just little guinea pigs. And uh, I had the highest kind of fast twitch muscle fiber count. And um, the next practice, there was goalie gear there. And I loved it. it I thought it was a great idea because at that point... Um, I forget the age bracket we were in, or maybe it was novice or something like that but anyway um you had to come off every three minutes and i hated coming off so this way being a goalie i get to stay on the ice the whole time so it it was win-win and there was only one goalie so i just started playing every single game and uh i just fell in love with the position you know it's i think that the being relied upon by your team and and there's no better feeling as being a goalie and being like the reason why your team won, you know, and, or bailing out your guys and, 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 and winning together as a team, of course, on the flip side of that losing and it's your fault is a, is a whole different animal and something to, yeah. So that was, I mean, great life lessons. I mean, every sport there's, there's little things yeah. you can take up, but that's so it. When, when you got your equipment and you started up, were you uh, automatic, uh, sensation you started playing triple a hockey or tell us about that journey of your development um i was i had some gifts i i picked things up pretty quick like i was i was good in all the sports so i was i was i was great at track um i played football uh soccer like i said so um overall athlete overall i could do everything it seemed like so it wasn't um it wasn't a big leap for me. Uh, and yeah, it's, it, uh, it became clear quite quickly that, uh, I had some talent and, and I, I was quite a good goalie. I remember the, f- the first time I realized that I was, that I was good. Uh, we were playing a game and we were my, my team in cares there. We were terrible. Like so the other teams that we played would usually crush us, but I think we won a game. And, and I, I had stopped a bazillion shots in this game. And there was actually a, at the time, a Western hockey league scout at the game. And I remember coming out and I was just a young kid and, uh, like 10, 12, yeah, something like that. And there was a scout at this game and he was actually there, uh, scouting the, the next game because that's when the older kids were, but, um, my play caught his attention as a, I think I was 10. And he was actually talking to my mom and dad about, wow. you know, what, what's his plan? <laughs> you know, your, your son's really good. Keep at it. This is, this is something that we would definitely be looking at in the future. So when I was, I was shocked that this, because, uh, you know, you, you hear about the other leagues and professional hockey, but you just, you didn't, you didn't really grasp it at that point. So that was the first indication that, huh, maybe, uh, maybe there's something here for me. That's remarkable. It seems you caught a 
the eye of the kinesiology professor and then you <laughs> caught an eye of yeah. uh, standing out as a novice or Adam goalie. And then um, your team wasn't very strong. At what stage in your minor hockey career then did you end up getting a little bit even more serious either by the team around you being successful or did you stay at your same age group? Did they move you up? Um, I Playing hockey in the lower mainland of uh, Vancouver is difficult, especially when you get to the the uh, you know the triple A's and the travel and I wasn't the best student I needed a lot more focus um, and what ha I was actually looking at uh, my my parents started looking at private schools and mostly back in Massachusetts and and some of those high school academies um, and then but seeing the price there was just no no way I could Massachusetts BC right just want to make no, sure no uh, in, in, in the oh, states oh, in the states oh, 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 yeah. the US okay, okay. yeah I forget so there the St. Mark's BC. Okay. Saint, yeah, yeah. St. Mark's was what one of the schools I remember there was another one okay. too but all right too so, long ago. so so what you're describing as potentially junior hockey would be taking you away but this might be if some years before junior hockey yeah this is this is before yeah. so actually I did go uh, ended up going to the Athel Murray College of Notre Dame for in grade nine. I was 13 years old, and um, my, I remember my my mom dropping me off in Wilcox, Saskatchewan. Which, yep. if you've ever been, it's a, it's a, it's it's a sight because there's nothing there except a school in the middle of nowhere, and um, it was the place to go for for hockey at at that time. Well, actually, well, yeah, like. Um Wendell Clark went there and yeah, um, he was Cortnell, before me. They? Well, yeah, uh, Cur Curtis Joseph and um, Rod Brendamore were there in my my first year playing on the okay. on the junior team. But um, at that point, at that time at, at Notre Dame, you were either going there to play hockey or you were sent there by a judge. That was basically the the, the people that went there, and then. Um, going through like meeting all these kids it was my first introduction to to prairie kids and the way they played hockey and it was just completely different and so i uh i managed to make way. faster quicker the way they played the tougher like it was just it was a completely different game that i had been playing and these were some of the best kids in in western canada right so i was i was like oh my gosh i you know coming out of the lower mainland where I was considered a, a, a really good hockey player to, to going to the small fish in a big pond all of a sudden. Right. So, um, still managed to, to, to play triple a and, and, uh, and, and go through that and play, still playing other sports. I remember I play, I played volleyball. I was, I was playing a uh, football track all again, obviously all, all at Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. and it was great. So what was it like? What was it like being away from your family? Did your, did your parents still keep in touch? Like, and we're not in the days of social media with, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was more or less just you're on your own, right? Yeah, it was, it was the, back then it was phone calls to the payphone Sunday nights because long distance rates were cheap. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, so that's when I would talk them a few letters, care packages, they would send some food or whatever like that. Um, yeah. Completely different way to, to be, but to tell you the truth, I I wanted to go. I couldn't wait. You, to, you're ready. Well, yeah. in the summer times, I in Vancouver um, because I just wanted to play hockey all the time. I would go to uh, UBC Hockey School, and back then there was no goalies. So, and I was 
because I played in Caresdale and I knew the the organization, the head of UBC Hockey School was part of Caresdale Point Grey Hockey Association. So um, they obviously had overnight camps, but they would use the the uh, the Greek chapters or the dormitories for to house the the hockey players. I just lived down the road, but it just to save me time. I would basically as a nine, 10 year old kid, just go live in the dorms. And I would just walk over to the rink and because no, there weren't any goalies. So I would go from rink to rink, to rink, to rink, and just go play on each, each, uh, or go to every session essentially. So it seemed like you're, uh, (laughs) yeah, it seems like you're sort of the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. It seems like you, you had all these conditions to better yourself as a goalie, like lots of time on ice that you uh relished i guess i yeah i wouldn't have made it that far without what uh, i was able to do at that young age like it was it got to the point where um i was getting to become such a good skate proficient skater on the ice where i would actually uh demo a lot of the backward skating drills because i was i was so good at it which was really funny i'd be this little 10 year old kid doing backward skating with 16 year olds like showing them how to do it right so that was a that was a lot of fun well that's something so then again a kid growing up uh you're in the 80s you're watching grant fuhrer grow joins the oilers i believe around um well it's early 80s right yeah well, 83, uh, 84, 82, 83, 84. Yeah. yeah. So does that, does that strike a chord with you seeing, uh, you know, a black minority player you're playing as well? Um, does that inspire you? Oh man. You're, that you're was, in Western Canada. That's the only part that hurt was he played for the Oilers, but to see Grant play with the with the hair and the way like the fro coming through the little holes in the mask i was just like holy smokes there's a guy that that looks like me playing in the nhl and not only playing dominating right this guy and i i mean i remember when i got the same type of pads that that grant got right like i was just oh my gosh this is he was he was an in such a huge influence for for, I mean, a lot of probably tons of kids, but for me personally, just being a goalie and, and, and seeing him on a regular basis and going to watch him play against the Canucks. Um, yeah, that was, there was a, probably a little bit of a switch that was clicked at that point thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I can, well, I, I'm pretty sure I thought I could do what he did. I was a young cocky kid, but, um, definitely uh lit some lit a fire for me to to keep going and doing what I do because he was just watching Grant was so he was poetry out there the way he played and moved the big saves and just unbelievable the Stanley Cups and the the windmill glove saves the he was just awesome man yeah and then um another person we're, we're hoping to get on the show um we just haven't connected yet is pokey reddick and he did a stint with oilers i believe before you as well uh maybe just before i don't know how much you can tell me how how much sooner but another I, he was a player yeah he was a couple years before me um again i had of course i knew about him right um and just it's funny because it was yeah it was grant then pokey 
uh, Fred Brathwaite and me. The Edmonton yeah. Oilers had a quite a history of yeah. of black goalies. They, they did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's it's probably two things. One, the 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 way that you uh, all looked up to someone like Grant, and then the organization, um, you know, maybe being very intentional about trying to to identify goalies. Uh, it's very interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. and even. My last year of playing with Edmonton, um, we had five people of color playing on the right. on the team, right? Like that yeah. has never happened, and it'll be tough to for that to. I think ha- it maybe one day, but it it'll be a while till that kind of happens again. Um, yeah, there there's there was one comparable about um, ten years after you guys with Atlanta and Anthony Stewart. I yeah. know just from the research I've done and talking to Anthony, and there was there's that was before a lot of push on uh, diversifying the game, which is pretty neat. And Land doesn't have a team anymore, but that was pretty fitting for the timing. Oh right yeah, I yeah. remember because yeah. it was great. Greerzy, Anson Carter, Sean Brown, right. George Larocque, myself. Um, I remember we were playing. We went flew into St. Louis, and um, I grabbed the USA Today, and usually in the sports page, like. Hockey's at the back in the U.S., but right there in the front of the USA Today uh, was a picture of all of us uh, on the yeah. on, in the paper. I was like, and I was like, wow, that's that's really something. And it was yeah. such a great team because we didn't, no one, it wasn't no. even really talked about that much on the no. team. That's how that's how tight that team. was. Yeah, and it's kind of at a point in time where um, we all know how multicultural Canada was. So really, the the timing of that happening with uh, a lot of changes in immigration. That team, that snapshot in time was again really, really representative, really what Canada should be. So yeah, that must be sure. pretty special. Yeah. If you're enjoying Recognize and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and feeling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. So then, um, so we, so who are some of the people that influenced your development as a hockey player that you, you may, or may want to mention that in those young early years? And uh, then we can talk about Portland. There was, there was, I had a, a really good goalie coach when, as a kid, his name was Norm, Norm McDonald or McDougal. He was, uh, he was an old grouchy kind of goalie coach. He, uh, I just remember him because he, he made me work really hard and, and kind of installed, like, you have to work really hard if you want to be, want to be good at this. And I was just a young kid, but, um, I was I was a sponge when I I was easily coachable. When someone asked me to try something, I there there wasn't a lot of a lot of hesitation for me to try that and or implement it in my game. Whether I stuck with it, um, that's another thing. Um, I mean, back then you didn't. It, it was completely different for goalies. We were we were really kind of on our own, so to speak. Not a lot of goalie camps or things like that. Those those didn't come on till um i was a little bit older um but i would have to say the first one that really really made a difference professionally 
um, because I, in junior, everything, I, I never had a goalie coach. I never had someone uh, going through things. There's a, his name is Dave Pryor. Uh, he was goalie coach for the Washington Capitals. And most recently he was with um, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, he really, uh, he was a goalie himself. Uh, didn't get to go on professionally, but really was a student of goaltending and, and really had a great understanding of the, of the psyche that goes along with it. That really helped me. I, um, the, I would say one of the things I struggled with most was the mental aspect of the game and, and trying to almost shut down your mind. He was, he was great at, he was a great communicator with that. And he had the technical side as well. So I would have to say Dave Pryor was great. Um, the, the person I wish would have got his hands on me earlier. Uh, I played hockey in, in, I played in Jurgården in, in Stockholm, Sweden for a year. And uh, I had, my goalie coach was named Thomas Magnuson. And that was the most incredible experience I had with a goalie coach, how he was able to take my game and we were able to, to, to customize it for the big ice uh, playing a, a Swedish style of hockey and helping me succeed. That was, that was probably the most rewarding year. I had one of the most rewarding years I had just from my, my development level and my enjoyment level of playing the game. Um, and the relationship I had with a goalie coach, he was, he was next level. Mm. So tell me about the Portland you mentioned before, when you're younger, there's a, a Western hockey league scouts, um, we have three junior leagues in, in Canada. We have um, the Ontario Hockey League, the Quebec Junior Hockey League, the Western Hockey League. You played in the Western Hockey League. Were, were you a high um, draft pick for for Portland? Tell us about how you landed no, on their team. Not at all. This is this is a funny story because I was at Notre Dame um, and I got cut off the the midget AAA team. And being a young, uh, unhappy kid, I. Uh, I, I said, I'm, I don't want to go here anymore. They don't think I'm a good goalie. And they, I talked to a few teachers and, and they were what they said to a 15 year or 16 year old kid just, just should be said, let's leave it at that. But, um, I, uh, I, uh, I went home and I actually phoned the Kamloops Blazers from Notre Dame to ask them for a tryout the following year. I gave them my resume. I sent them my stats, things like that. Um, and they said, yeah, we'll have you at camp. I went home that after that school year. I was going into grade 12, um, and I, I walked on to the Kamloops Blazers training camp. They, they And they had Corey Hirsch, Dale Masson, like two really established Western Hockey League goaltenders. I managed to stay with them as a third goalie until about middle of October until they really had to let me go or, or trade me or things like that. Um, they said that they had traded me to Sw the Swift Current Broncos. So I went, traveled out to Swift Current, stayed out there for a week, and then they said, no, we're going to stick with the guys they have. And I was like, but I thought I was traded here because – Kamloops traded a few extra players, but I was still on Kamloops's list. So I think they were trying, I was thinking they were trying to work a deal and something didn't work out. At that time, it's so hard to make a team because all teams are established. 
Um, I bounced around in the BC Junior League. And finally, uh, close to Christmas time, I, uh, I found myself without a team to play for. And I, I remember going home uh, and uh, really down. Um, and uh, my dad had mentioned, he said, look, you, you got to find a team. You can't just, uh, you can't take the rest of the year off you, or you're, you're not going to have a career. Um, I looked in the, in the BCJHL for the, the worst team in the BCJHL in the paper uh which was in bellingham so really close to vancouver i uh and i i phoned the coach uh told him my whole story and he said well get down here for practice um tomorrow uh the next day i drove to practice and he just he goes yeah get in like get in the net and he ran practice but he stood right next to me and watched me the whole practice like for an hour he watched me end of practice he blows the whistle he looks at me he goes yep yeah, you're better than that guy you're playing tomorrow night in nanaimo and uh, I was like, oh, my gosh. So the next night, I'm in Nanaimo. Uh, I managed to have a really good game. We win 2-1. I think I stopped like 53 shots. But what happened was I was still on Kamloops' list. And I, uh, the Portland Winterhawks were in Victoria, I believe, playing the Cougars the following night. But the GM and the, and the coach had come up to watch the game in Nanaimo. And they saw me play. And I think three days later, they made a trade with Cam's for my rights. And I played at the end of the year after I was done in Bellingham. I went and played the last few games in, in Portland. And uh, the, the following year, played for the Portland Winterhawks. I think I played like 63 games that year. And uh, that's that. Yeah, the rest is, the rest is history there. Because in 91, draft, 92, yeah. you play 63, 63 games for Portland. Um, 92 93 38 games 93 94 then you get you you must be uh must got traded over the prince albert raiders were they yeah. uh were they in contention for like uh no you know, at that point i or? was i was 20 and you're only allowed a a, a certain amount of 20 year olds per team and okay portland had a really good younger goalie and so they went with yeah. him and made a trade with prince albert so okay um I should take a step back though, because you're drafted in 1992 by Edmonton, fifth round, 109th overall, very, very high pick. So your success with those 63 games, and I guess how you started out in 92, or would you have been drafted after that season of 63 games? After the 63 game season in Portland, my first year yeah. I got drafted after that. Yeah. So that was it's a uh, pretty large sample, 63 <laughs> games. Yeah. Back no, it, uh, it, I saw a lot. We were a good team though. Uh, yeah, we were middle of the pack. So it was, it was a, it was a good, it was a big learning experience. And I was, I mean, to me, that was kind of the pinnacle too, right? I made the, and I, I mean, in Portland, you, you felt like you were in the NHL. We played in a 10,000 seat arena and I think we averaged like 8,500 for, for the games. Right. And, and it was, what was really interesting is obviously meeting other, uh, players that were not only focused in portland but focused on the on their future and talking about the nhl and and the hot and the hockey news and stuff and i'm like oh my gosh right that's uh, it, I, it, it was it was then when i realized oh my god is the next step is kind of the nhl like like professional hockey here and it 
it didn't really click to me then. And then all of a sudden, you know, I see my picture in, 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 in draft eligible players and, and where they're rated and things. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is nuts. <laughs> it's just a, such a quick turnaround from you saying where you had fallen off with getting cut and picking your feet back up, being with the Bellingham ice Hawks. And then uh, a trade going through, and all of a sudden, like you're a Portland Winterhawk playing 63 games, right? I I tell that story every summer a few times when I'm asked to do uh, some some goalie camps, uh, and usually I, I help out or or do some uh, some speaking to to young goalies. It's such a it was such a finite moment in time, right? I was I was in in the bottom of the garbage can. <laughs> to where I wanted to be. And within a year and a half, I was at the pinnacle, right? So um, I just like, you never, never give up, even when it's, uh, when it's darkest, you know, if you, if you have, if you believe in yourself and there's something there, you can, you can accomplish great things. One of the, besides, you know, my, my kids and everything, that's one of the biggest accomplishes accomplishments of my life is, from where I was to where I got to was, uh, I mean, it was, it was light years. Yeah. It's really, really fascinating to go through that. And do you have any highlights you'd like to share with us from the junior years of some standout moments, some really memorable moments? Junior hockey's great. Cause you're, you're so young, uh, lots of bus trips. Um, we got to the, the Western hockey league finals, uh, the one year with Portland, I'd say that was kind of the, the highlight. Low light too, because we lost in game seven to the, to the, uh, eventual champ, the swift current Broncos, um, to go to the Memorial well, cup. So we were one well, win in, away. That's, that's 91. The 91, 92, your first season. No, that would be the next your, season. Your, your second, okay. Yeah. Second yep. year. Um, so that was probably, that would have been something special to go to the Memorial cup. It's probably the hardest trophy in all of sports to win just because you have to be at the right time, right team, right age. Uh, but, um, so that's, that was a lot of fun. That was, that was a really good year. Yeah. So then tell us now about the leap then to the, uh, the NHL and tell us about that experience when you were drafted by Edmonton Oilers fifth round, 198th overall, as I mentioned, that's a, that's a very high pick 1992 draft. Um, did, what was the experience like? Did you have your family members attend? Were, were you present at the draft? Yeah, I was, I didn't want to go. Um, I'd heard too many stories about guys that didn't get drafted that went and, but actually I was rated a lot higher than that. So there was a good chance I would get drafted. Um, but that was the year that all the Russians went like the, the draft was in the Montreal forum in, in the middle of summer. So just imagine the humidity and no AC in that, in a full building without the ice. And, uh, and the first round took three hours. So I was more worried about sweat stains in my suit getting and getting called than anything else. But my, uh, yep. My, my mom and my dad came and, and sat beside me and we, we we battled through five rounds and it was it was funny because the first two rows of tables were all the teams that obviously didn't do as well the in the years prior and then the last two were all the 
the more successful teams. And so I was thinking, oh, I got to get to those next two rows. I don't want to go into the last. And Edmonton was the last pick in that first two rows. And I hated the Oilers. I couldn't stand them. Growing up as a... As a Canuck kid, I like I oh. hated them with a passion. Hated Gretzky. To respect to Grant Fuhrer, but hated the Oilers. Loved Grant Fuhrer, hated the Oilers because they would come into Vancouver. Vancouver would be up like five one after the second, and they'd lose seven six. Right, like to Gretzky would go nuts in the third period. So, but um, having a name like Joaquin. You and going through school every year with the teacher butchering your name and not knowing how to pronounce it. I knew within seconds that in the when the Edmonton Oilers were picking in the fifth round, and they and they said uh, from the Portland Winterhawks, and then there was a long pause with the name. I stood up. I knew it was me, and then they announced my name. So, and my my love hate went. My hate went to love probably in the next 10, 15 meters on my way down to to the to the table to meet everybody. <laughs> and who did you meet? Like who were the coaches and GM at the time? Oh, Ted Green. Rest in peace, uh, uh, Barry Fraser, um, Kevin Prendergast, Glenn Sather, uh, Ron Lowe, uh, Kevin Primo, the scouting staff. Everyone was was there. That was meeting Glenn Sather for the first time too. That's that's quite intimidating as well, right? So, um, yeah. but uh, it was funny. I remember shaking. He was shaking my hand. And he goes, so you're going to take Billy's job? And I go, you betcha. And it was, he was referring to Billy Ranford at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, that's 92, the draft. And then you you play with Portland. You play with Prince Albert. Then according to the uh, stats here, you, you get the call in 1994-95, official NHL game. So tell us about that experience. Um, yeah, so your, your first NHL game. Well, the first, well, your first league game, <laughs> what we go by. I, at the end of junior, I did get called up, but I, I never played. Um, okay. Oh, that's right. But on the bench. Yeah. yeah so this, this is my goal experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My first actual NHL game, um, came at the end of my first year professionally. That was, like I said, that was the first lockout year. And, uh, so, but the NHL started late I and mean, our, so our season finished, the NHL season was just going on. And so at the end of the year, most NHL teams brought up their, a lot of their prospects. So I was one of probably six guys that got called up at the end of that year. And we would, we would, you know, we were staying in the hotel, uh, practicing usually, uh, after the big t- or before the big team. And then they would pre- like we weren't even going on the ice with with the with the big team at that point. So my 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 our routine was get up, go get go to practice, just get completely destroyed on the ice by the strength and conditioning coaches. Go work out, then uh, get into the rental car, go hit an Arby's, and hit the hit the local golf course, and then back. Um, so there was a game and of course we're just repeating what we're doing. And I'm, you know, I probably played 18 and we're, I get back to the hotel. The Oilers are playing that night. So you'd come back and, and have a nap and then walk over to the game. And uh, I'm at a certain vintage where the hotel lights, the hotel phone just had those little lights when there was a message and uh, the, uh, the light was blinking and I was kind of laying down looking at it. And I, 
I picked it up and I phoned the number and uh, it was the Oilers dressing room. And the, one of the trainers was like, Joaquin, get over here. Billy's hurt. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I race over there. The team is already on the ice for warm up. I get ready and I'm running out to the, to the ice. I clip the edge of the boards fall and slide straight into center ice and the crowd just goes oh i can hear it i'm like oh my god <laughs> i go in net uh, allow like five straight goals and then go off that was it that was and i was like oh my god what a what an entrance and then um fred brathwaite was uh, had a had a rough night he was having a rough first period and i'm like as a goalie when the other guy's struggling um you're like okay oh well the coach i i can feel him looking at me i'm wondering if he's going to put me in or not okay and so we get into the dressing room at the end of the first period uh, in, for the intermission uh ron Lowe, who's the coach at the time uh he's not uh it, it, he didn't look at me at all like usually a coach comes by hey you ready or something like that so i think okay i'm not going in um then like probably 15 seconds before we're we're, uh, we're going out. He goes, Gager, you're in. And so actually I appreciate that and looking back at it because yeah. then it gave me, I didn't have time to think about what was happening. I was more trying to find my mask and gloves. Sure. So, so was that the second time then this, this scenario you're talking about, or is that still the first experience? This is the first, this is the first experience. And okay. Okay. And so it's the second period we're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah. we're, that's a packed house. We're in a playoff push. We got to win the game. Um, I get out there and I don't know who it was. Someone rips a shot and I let out the biggest, juiciest rebound ever. Dave Andrzejczyk walks into a slap shot. I managed to save that one too, which yeah. which is I'm completely out of position. Uh, we get the rebound, go down and score. I get the second assist. So... They okay. announce wow. they announce my uh, my name on the second assist, and the crowd just went nuts. So there you turns go. Out, yeah. yeah, I start. We came back in the game. We I, we scored the next two. We got within four three, uh, and then I think Matt Sundin blew one between my legs late uh, to to seal the deal. But um, yeah, at, so at you're that, telling you're telling me that you in your first game, you also got an assist. There's only a handful of NHL goalies that uh, have scored a point in their in their first in their first game. I'm one of them, so it's uh, it, it was great. I mean, at that point, I'm thinking, God, this this league's easy. It's again, it's nothing but Stanley <laughs> Cups and Vesnas from here on in. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I missed earlier when you were talking about the trip. That's why I was asking you whether it was a second experience. I missed what you were describing. Oh, when you said yeah. you fell. So after my last year in Prince Albert. Um, okay. They, I believe Edmonton's farm team was in the playoffs and they were far away. They couldn't, one of their goalies wouldn't get to, it was actually in Winnipeg at the time. So yeah. I was on my way home from Prince Albert and I, wow. a friend of mine contacted me and I stopped in Calgary and uh, dropped my car off at my, my friends who I played junior with and got on a plane and, and took my gear and, and went to Winnipeg. <laughs> And so that that was the first experience. Yeah, that was the first experience. Wow. Came home wow. for a couple games too. Uh, okay. And Sather was coaching at that time too. So that okay. So you have two kind of unique experiences. One where you said you stumble on. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what you just described. 
And then the one with Ron Lowe, which, yeah. which was a little bit more, you had some notice, but yeah, yeah, you betcha. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's interesting because that that has popped up in recent years where they're trying to scramble and get the emergency goalie. So maybe they have the emergency goalie back then. I don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah, that would be. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think they did. Yeah. I think no. at that point you had to dress one of your own players. At that point, yeah. right? Like, yeah. there's stories of them dressing the the one of the trainers. <laughs> things that okay. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So your uh, your NHL career is that year. I see here 1994, a couple games there. 1995, and then in between there, though, you're playing for the Canadian national team for 29 games. So tell us about that experience and what led to you being on the Canadian national team? So, yeah, I basically I was a journeyman goalie trying to get back to the NHL at one point. Um, after my contract was done with the Oilers, uh, played on a few minor league teams. And if you look back to when I tried out with Kamloops, um, Tom Rennie was, was the coach at that point. And he, uh, he knew me as that young kid that walked on and, and obviously I think he kept tabs on me here and there. And I'd run into him obviously playing against him in junior with, with the Portland winter Hawks. Um, he was the head coach of the, the men's national program. So um, it's so funny. My, uh, an opportune time, I was just about to, to sign with a, with a, with a team and I forget the, the I was going to sign, but it would have been very difficult for me to make that team because they, they had an NHL affiliate. They would have sent their own. I wasn't too keen on it, but it was something that I needed. He phoned me and asked if I wanted to join the uh, the men's national team for the year. So it was the last year of uh, Team Canada with the men's national team that would play in all those tournaments. So the the oldest Vestia, which is now the Baltica, Sweden Games, uh, the Finnish Cup, the the obviously world championships, Spengler cup. Um, so yeah, I, I joined, uh, I joined team Canada and, and tra- traveled all over the world, uh, uh, playing hockey. It was, that was, I would have to say just the teammates and stuff. That was the, that was such an enjoyable year like, of playing hockey. Yeah. Quite an opportunity, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um, so I mentioned that cause I noticed that you played 94 and 90, Edmonton then then the 16 games you play in 95 and then you're in the American Hockey League with Cape Breton Hamilton uh, ECHL Syracuse VHL uh, and then Portland Province as you said like lot, lots of teams but then you 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 return um, back to the NHL after playing Canadian national team in 2000 so what was that like after all that stretch of time then you're back in the, in the NHL um, it was a grind. Um, it's tough to like, that was the thing I wanted, wanted, it didn't look like I was getting back to the NHL. I remember my exit meetings with Tom Rennie at that last year with team Canada, asking him if there was any interest with, uh, with any NHL teams. And he didn't said, not really. No, I haven't heard anything, but he says, um, uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs who I played with before were looking for to solidify their goaltending. And initially I was saying no way because I felt still slighted that the Oilers let me go just being the, and, um, and then I, I asked, uh, Tom if, well, what about world championships? And he goes, Joaquin, I would take you, but I, 
and but I have to bring two NHL guys. That's just the way it is. Um, I'd love to play you, but and I know you'd do well, but I, I, you'd be my third guy. And I said, okay, uh, well, whatever. Let's go to Hamilton. Um, so I went to Hamilton, and I didn't realize, like, I hadn't kept tabs on other leagues. I wasn't one of those guys. I realized they had to, they had to win like the last or two of the last three to to make the playoffs. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going into a pressure cooker here. But really, no, I didn't really have a lot of stress. I ended up playing quite well. We went to we went two rounds into the playoffs, played all the games, uh, played quite well, and. Again, at the end of the year, I had actually already committed to a team in Germany to play for the following year because my play on Team Canada was so strong. Being in Europe and all these European teams seeing me, they the the team in in um, it was in Munich. I, no, it wasn't Munich. I think it was Nuremberg. Anyway, um, I, I I was re- I was all set. I already had a European experience. I knew what I was getting into, kind of looking forward to it. Uh, and then in my exit meetings with the GM of, of Hamilton, uh, I didn't even know I was supposed to have a meeting. I was basically the, you hear of uh, garbage bag day and everyone's packing up their stuff and they're talking to the GM and uh, seeing what's going to happen next year for them. I, was, I wasn't even part of the organization, but I had known the GM for a long period of time. Um, he was my first GM that first year pro. So, um, I was actually leaving and one of the trainers goes, no, Joaquin, Scott, Scott Housen wants to talk to you. And I was like, really? And I go, okay. And it's weird. But, uh, I walked in and I thought it was just, you know, cause we'd known each other for a while. And, and, uh, he said, Hey, Joaquin, like, uh, thanks. This is great. And I said to Scott, no, you know what, Scott, this is, this is awesome. You know, I last time leaving, ha- leaving the organization, uh, kind of a bad taste in my mouth. It's it's nice to have a little bit more success and and doing something a little bit special. Um, this is great. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And we kind of had a laugh, and then we said bye. And he goes, "Well, yeah, the I think uh, the Oilers want to sign you for for next year." And I thought he was just pulling my leg. I was just like, "Okay, Scott. Yeah, yeah, fine, whatever." And he goes, "No, no, I'm serious, Joaquin. We want to we want to get in touch with your agent." I go, "Okay, Scott." I left. And thinking he was just kind of being nice, but lo and behold, a week later, I had an offer from the Oilers. And with those double IHF rules, if you sign a contract in that certain window, your European contract is is null and void. So, and it it wasn't much of a decision to tell you the truth. I your dream is always to play in the NHL. I couldn't say no to a second opportunity. And again. Um, going from where I was to get back to the NHL, um, quite an accomplishment for myself. Yeah, really remarkable. Yeah, it's got to feel gratifying after that stretch of time to yeah. to be back. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, uh, any any reflections on some standout um, player experiences you either played with or against over that period of the NHL oh, over man, those years? So many good guys. Um, it here in in Edmonton, they've they've just started the the wall of the wall of fame in Edmonton with uh, with former players. So uh, really excited. I think I know who the next guy is. Um, I think it's it's going to be a, a Doug Waite, who uh, who was superstar NHL player. Um, just 
meeting, I remember meeting him for the first time and, and even the second time, uh, there's, there was a reason why he wore the, the captain's letter. He made everyone feel like they were part of something. Um, just a great individual and someone that I admired and looked up to and, and considered a friend for, for a long time. Um, but that's just one of those guys. I don't think we have enough time to go into to, to all of them. I've yeah. just met so many quality people who I who I still lot, fortunate enough to to work with, play hockey with, and and keep in touch. Okay, and from a talent standpoint, in terms of very skilled players, superstars you either played against or with, some some players come to mind. Oh, it's it's Paul Korea for sure. Um, because I grew up with Paul, he was from North Van. I was, I was in Vancouver. Um, just, uh, he was the exact same player as a little kid as, as he was in the NHL, just unbelievable talent ruined my shutout. The one time against the ducks that I hate him for still. (laughs) Um, but, uh, he was just, he was great. I remember, um, his going to tournaments, uh, meeting his family. Uh, I just, I, everyone asks, Oh, who, what players would you like to see play in today's game? And of course the, everyone, the obvious answer is like Gretzky or Lemieux, but I would love to see what Paul Korea could do in today's game with, with the, with the amount of space and with his creativity and his hockey IQ, man. I mean, he's already a hall of famer, but it would, uh, I, I would just I, be fascinated. Yeah, I agree because I think the period following Gretzky and Lemieux, things started to get tighter and the game started to change a little bit. And they they benefited a little bit from that freedom. But a player like that really would shine, especially the way the game's played today. Oh, it'd be scary. It would be yeah. absolutely scary. <laughs> so so uh and 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 Korea is a racialized uh player. So uh, on that topic then, for your experiences, um what what was your journey like as a um minor hockey player, junior, uh, pro player. Are there, are there any uh, experiences with uh, racism that were, were not so great with you that uh, you would comment on? Uh, and the flip side is uh, what, what were the positive aspects of just the diversity that you may have been around or not? Oh, to say that there weren't speed bumps was, is an understatement. There was, there was a lot of use of the N word. I won't, I won't lie. That's a, uh, very hurtful things. Um, I, I remember one of the things being a person of color and in a, in a, in a situation where you're the only one, like let's back then there weren't many other people, kids that looked like me that played hockey or mostly white kids. Um, if the, just waiting for the, the racial comment to come out in certain situations and, pretending that you didn't hear it. So you just didn't want like for a long time, I just pretended I didn't hear that stuff and, and would let it slide because I didn't want that confrontation with, with, with other kids. Um, when it happened on the ice, I guess, I guess I just chalked it up to just being part of the game, trying to get under my skin. And it actually fueled me more than anything at that. You know, when your own teammates were doing it though, that's that it hurt. Uh, that, that was, that was quite hurtful. Um, hmm. 
but yeah, and that's unique because that these are all different experiences, right? And and some some would say I'm sure there's many teams where that inclusion, that respect for even your own team, it's, you know, it's bad enough for another team, but I'm sure you had both sides where you probably fell upon some experiences and leadership of coaches and parents and families where it's just it you never had any negative experiences been but the flip side is, is very hurtful when those amongst yourselves are uh, very very hurtful um one uh episode that happened i it was my first year playing in in germany um we were it was kind of a meet the fans at the beginning of the year oh, so this, is, uh, this is pro now right yeah, yeah this is pro yeah. and um i guess at the like we I was playing in Castle Germany and in the big center uh, lots of tons of people um there were a bunch of racist people in the crowd yelling at me um derogatory slangs in German I it was my first year in Germany I didn't speak the language I had no idea what and um the next so I afterwards I I had heard this and I'm like Oh my gosh, this exists, you know? And then you, I'm thinking, God, I just watched some old war movie and there's, is there, what's going to happen? I, I didn't feel safe all of a sudden. And I remember going back to the hotel and, and, uh, my wife was going to join me in a few weeks. And I was like, Whoa, let's, I don't know if I'm going to stay here. I don't know if it's safe for, for you or I, um, and then, but then we talk about the good things that happen, right? So the next day, my, 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 the captain of my team, Toby Abstrider, uh, who, uh, who's, who I, I believe he coaches the world junior German team now. Um, he, uh, he came up to me and, uh, set me aside and we sat down and he told me what, what happened, um, and everything that they said and, and things like that. And, um, and so don't worry, we're we're going to take care of everything and just kind of put everything at ease. And we went out for a practice and it was the practice was open to the to the to the fans. And uh, in Castle, they had just great fans. They had made up this huge, big banner um, apologizing to me, like in German. I, I still. And so it was funny because the cafe came. Did you did you see the sign? I go, yeah, but I don't I don't know what it says. And it was they were apologizing for for what happened yesterday. So, um, you know, there's there's only there's a there's a few idiots out there, but there's a lot of really really good people as well. So, and that just solidified my decision, and and I played there for for three years. Yeah, and that's early two thousands. You're talking to right? Are you yeah. late nineteen nineties? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So still a ways ago, and and hopefully um, uh, things like that uh, are not happening to. Uh, pros or young people today. Um, so that, that, that's something. And, uh, you know, Tony McKegney said on our show way back when he said that, uh, well, he may not have said on the show, but he said to me that he told Grant Fuhrer he was able to wear a mask and, and he couldn't. Yeah. So, um, but, but, but then goalies are targets of everything, as you said, uh, as it was sort of, uh, that era, unfortunately people are trying to say or do anything to get underneath people's skin. And, um, but particularly the goalie is someone that always refuse, receives a lot of abuse. So it's a, it's a double whammy uh, for you receiving that, be, be on the receiving end of racism. Um, so, so are are you optimistic looking back now, looking forward, you're involved in minor hockey, some of the efforts you're probably watching that's happened by the NHL and levels of hockey and just your experience as being a coach um, going forward? 
Are you optimistic that hockey is becoming um, uh, trending the right way it should be? Uh, um, I think everyone believes more should be done. And the instance that you described is sort of like a situation where there's some harm is being done and there's some actions being taken to repair the harm. We obviously don't want harm to happen in the first place. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm optimistic. I, I, it, it, racism seems to, to rear its ugly head here and there. Um, I mean, it all starts with education. We're, we're not born hating another person, you know, and I guess one of the most encouraging things is when I do see young kids, there's, it is way more diverse than it, than it was. There's all walks of life playing hockey um, that can only strengthen uh, the game and, and, and try to eliminate that. I think it's always going to be there for the, for the, unfortunately with, with ignorant people. Um, uh, But I would hope to see that the consequences for for acting like that are are severe, and and it, it's just it's completely unacceptable. Um, we've got we have come a long way. I, I you have yeah. to say that we have come a, a very long way, and the just we can't let the foot off the gas, right? Although it's better, it has to. This is this is the time where you really drop the hammer, I think, and right. really really focus and narrow down on on the actual problem because um it can quickly slip away from you yeah that along with education and uh, you know the term allyship talks about people walking alongside of you and and another previous guest talked about it shouldn't just be a joaquin problem it's it's an us problem so if something's directed towards you all the allies whether it's the 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 players on both teams the referees the parents Everyone starts to say, like, we're not standing for this, and, and that person should be supported. Where where it used to be, like what you described, like, I'm just going to sort of keep my mouth shut, take this in, and whatever. Yeah. You're, the brunt, you're the brunt of it, right? I, it's, I would say, Dean, it's only in the last few years is if I, if I hear something derogatory is I, I confront the person and talk to them about it. I, 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 don't, I don't put up with it anymore. Um, it, uh, I, I've, <laughs> I, I swept it under the rug long enough. Um, the only way it's going to stop is I have to do my part a little bit yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, it, um, uh, unfortunately it, it, it actually reared its racism, reared its ugly head at just a, a couple years ago at a, at a, I was doing a charity golf event and a guy actually coming, came up to my face and said something just completely wrong and expected me to i don't know actually what he expect he was laughing i guess he thought it was funny um but i it it was it was an it was a very uncomfortable moment for myself i'll tell you that yeah yeah so i i, I hear what you're saying it's 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 uh standing up for yourselves and then hoping the education is so much awareness that people around you that exactly. it's, not, it's, 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 it's you confronted by others confronted as well. It's a, it's exactly. a team effort. So, yeah. 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 So th- thanks for sharing that with us. So um, can you tell us what you're up to now then just to revisit what you're doing in your uh, life or employment and your involvement in hockey? Um, gosh, what aren't I doing? Uh, well, my main job, my main employee, I'm a retirement planner. Uh, I work at K4 Financial. 
Uh, we do retirement planning for Canadians. Um, I also dabble in, uh, I guess, my side hustles. <laughs> I, I'm involved in uh, some broadcasting with, uh, um, I mean, here in Edmonton, we lost a lot of our sports radio uh, shows. So I work with one of the, the local broadcasters on on his show. Uh, I'm I'm fortunate enough to do a little bit of work on Sportsnet with uh, with Gene Principe during during Oilers games. So um, probably a, a a handful of times this year, you'll see my uh, my my insight to the to the goalie psyche in the in the broadcasts. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, that's uh, and then kids looking after them dog right. wife yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned some coaching too though right did you say you're a yeah i uh, when i can yeah. i i help out when with can, in the summer times usually camps it's usually comes in the yeah. summer times uh obviously at this time of year there's hockey evaluations that sometimes i've i've helped out sure. with and 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 rated some goalies and things like that so yeah. um yeah. i'd love to do more um maybe one day i'll get more into it but just with with the obligations to my clients Absolutely. with fine being a financial yeah. advisor or it, it's quite time consuming. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful again to, to share your story. And although uh, it's a podcast and people um, recognize all these players have played in the NHL again, it's, it's paying it back and the representation part um, so much of you shared with us, um, you know, it's so, so benefits all, all kids. We know that in general, but particularly those that are minorities, racialized individuals it really gives a lot of uh, hope and inspiration for you to tell about uh, what what you've overcome uh i'm going to give you um one final opportunity here just to sort of share what advice you would give to a young hockey player today oh well the first thing i always ask young hockey players is do you want to play in the nhl you know and a lot of them don't um so I would, if they want to play hockey, I tell them to play as long as they can. And if you, even if you, if you're, if, if you're doing well, there's, it, it can open the door so much for everything in your life. A lot of my success, well, basically everything is my participation in team sport and being a hockey player. I have the, so many lessons that I've learned that I've implemented into my day-to-day -day life from, from a kid playing hockey is it, it, you, you just, it's, it's hard to find those attributes in, in anything else, I think. And of course I'm, there's a lot of other sports you can play and you get the same type of things. I'm partial to hockey, but um, I try to push people towards hockey because of the, the advantages and the joy you get of accomplishing things with other people. And in, in today's world, I think there could be a lot more of that with helping out your uh, the people beside you and accomplishing those things as a team rather than individually. Well, thanks for sharing that uh, wise advice. And uh, again, th thank you for sharing all your experiences from uh, your successes and going out to Saskatchewan, playing for Notre Dame and uh, <laughs> Portland Winterhawks and uh, the Canadian national team and the Edmonton Oilers. And I think you maybe just missed the cup then, right? Is that correct? 
Uh, it was it. it was a couple years before, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, I missed yeah, it by a yeah. bit. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's too bad. Uh, that's right. Yeah, and also I I I uh, missed that point about you getting a point your first game, which again that that's something you could have a <laughs> oh yeah have enshrined on your wall. Like that, that's <laughs> yeah, not many goalies have done that. So. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate you spending time with us and uh, there may be a time again in the future, but it's been great to meet you, uh, Joaquin, and thanks for being on the My Hockey Hero podcast. I appreciate it, Dean. Thanks a lot. We're proud to be working with Hockey Equality. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey by lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out HockeyEquality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to share this story with your kids, then check out My Hockey Hero. It's shorter and suitable for the whole family. You can click the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Podstarter production. production.